Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy summer and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Navigating Elder Care and Dementia, 101 Stories for Family Caregivers. Good morning, Amy. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, and I'm very excited about this new collection because I think something like 30 million Americans are engaged in caring for somebody uh, who's elderly and or mm-hmm. has dementia. So mm-hmm. this is this is something that affects a huge percentage of the population. And if we're not directly affected by it, we have a friend or somebody close to us who is affected by it. I totally agree. It's like something that if you're not involved with it, but you know someone who is. It is a pleasure to have you here with me this morning and this book, Navigating Elder Care and Dementia, it's a very insightful and empowering read. The story really touches the heart and moves the soul. Congratulations on this release. Well, thanks. You know, the thing about elder care or dealing with someone who has dementia, which can even start in middle age, is that once you've been there and done that, well, now you're mm-hmm. filled with advice, but you wish you had had that advice before you did it because now you're filled with advice that isn't going to do you any good like, unless you're you know, going to go through this another round with another family member. So what we're trying to do with this Chicken Soup for the Soul book about navigating elder care and dementia is pass on all these great tips and wisdom and perspective from people who have already been there, done that, because it really helps. I mean, I know that over the years, and we've published other books about elder care and dementia, but a long time ago, those books really helped me to prepare for when I encountered the problem in my own family with my father. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't have known what to do if I hadn't read all of those other stories and, you know, taken in that advice. And, and I took that advice seriously, you know, things like don't argue with the person who has dementia. If that person states thing as fact, just accept it because what difference does it make? You know, those are the kinds of things that aren't intuitively obvious. You have to be told. And then you say, Oh, yeah, right. Why am I going to argue about it? Because it doesn't matter. You know, right. but you, you have to be told that, that you shouldn't be correcting the person. You know, you shouldn't right. be trying to drag them back into your reality because they can't maintain in your reality. They got to go back to their reality. And mm-hmm. I think in the, I think if you don't have the experience, you still have this kind of hope that you can somehow teach the person with dementia the right. true facts, and they'll retain them. But they will not retain them. But it's mm-hmm. hard to mm-hmm. imagine that until you've been through it, you know? So right. I feel like reading these stories at the very beginning of being a family caregiver for someone who's elderly and or has dementia, I think it's a really good idea to read all of this at the very beginning of that journey because then you'll be prepared and you won't make as many mistakes as we all make when we're not prepared. Right. So true. When you talk about correcting someone, the interesting part about it is that initial part of 
someone, for like a better term right here, the thought process are deteriorating a little bit, right? So you really don't know when it began because all you thought was like, wait a minute, now you got a different opinion and I got a different opinion. And like you say, it's easy to get into that dance, so to speak. Yeah. In the beginning, you might think that your parent is revealing some unknown part of your family's history. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. it's so interesting. You say, wow, I never knew that. But then later you realize, oh, well, no, that wasn't (laughs) actually true. And the other thing that happens early on is you're not sure that your spouse or your parent Mm -hmm. does have dementia. You think maybe they're just making a joke. I remember in the very early days with my father, Mm -hmm. I would kind of giggle nervously when he said something because I wasn't sure if he meant it or if he was joking about something. But then over time, I realized, oh, no, he actually means this. He's not making, you know, a not-so-funny joke. So you kind of ease into it. And then once you're a few years into it, you look back (laughs) and you say, oh, it started way back then. You know, but it's so shocking because if it's a spouse or a parent, you know, Mm -hmm. you're not accustomed to viewing them as being dependent on you or so impaired. It takes a while to accept that they're really not the person that they used to be and that your roles have changed and you might now be in charge of their care, you know, which is very tough when it's an older Mm -hmm. relative or or your own spouse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's true. Very, very true. Well, how is elder care affecting today's family dynamics? I mean, over the years, Respectfully, there are a lot of people that stayed home or at least one member of the family is staying home. But nowadays, both husband and wife working and then all of a sudden right now, the demand is a little bit different. Yeah, it's really tough on family dynamics. I think that, you know, they say things like weddings and funerals exacerbate any mm-hmm. dysfunctionality in families. Well, I think elder care definitely has the same effect. And so, It causes siblings to resent each other. It causes stress between husbands and wives. It causes children to feel like their, you know, sandwich generation parents are not paying enough attention to them because they're having to deal with their own parents. It causes all kinds of stress. Sometimes a husband will be, will take in a parent, let's say, or take responsibility Mm -hmm. for a parent, but then all of a sudden his wife, who's the daughter-in-law ends up really shouldering all the responsibility. And some people view it as a wonderful privilege, but then others are saying, but, you know, I'm happy to do this, but I'm not getting any help. I'm not getting enough appreciation. And so we have a lot of stories in this new Chicken Soup for the Soul collection about how you can make it work better in your families. And I know we're going to talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, those stories later, but there are some great pieces of advice in here about how families can allocate the responsibilities. You know, if you have someone moving into an assisted living Mm -hmm. or even moving into someone's home and and there's only one sibling who's geographically close to the parent, well, the other siblings can find other ways to contribute. One could do all the financial work and one could do all the doctor's appointments and everybody can take on a different function. And then just expressing appreciation for the person who's maybe doing more than everybody else can really help. But mm-hmm. family dynamics are fraught with um, issues when elder care is going on because it just stresses everybody out. And that's why we also have a lot of stories in here 
not only about sharing the responsibilities, but also about how important self-care is and how you Mm -hmm. have to take care of yourself first. Mm -hmm. Whatever your function is as a family caregiver, you are not being selfish if you make sure you engage in self-care. And that Mm -hmm. might mean doing something you never did for yourself before, like meditating 15 minutes a day or carving out half an hour a day to walk around a nearby lake, but something like that. You have to give yourself a little treat. Mm -hmm. So true, so true. What are some of the most serious challenges someone encounters when taking care of their loved ones? Well, if you're taking care of someone who's elderly um, or has dementia or both, you're on this downward trajectory, and so it's really a different kind of caregiving because most other kinds of caregiving, you have hope, there could be a recovery, things could be improving. You know, if you're caring for somebody who has a yeah. serious illness, but maybe over a couple of years, they're getting better, not worse. The thing about elder care and dementia is that there's only one direction, and it's down. And so oh, yeah. you're going through this wrenching dislocation you know, where you have to adopt a new perspective and you're taking on this new role where you may be parenting a spouse or parenting a parent. So I think it's like a slow grinding process and you're grieving the whole way. You're almost pre-grieving for that person. And it's just really hard. And then what happens is that the elderly person resists and resists and resists because, of course, nobody wants to give up their independence and so even if dementia is not in the equation, you're dealing with, you know, mom, you should stop driving or dad, you've got to let me right. help you with the finances now because you're taking $500 out of the ATM every week and what are you doing with it? You know, <laughs> there's all these things that happen even without dementia. Yeah. And so people have to accept this new reality for themselves. It's just, it's really, really hard on people. And it's amazing when you think about the fact that by the end of it, if you're dealing with dementia, at least, you totally accept the fact that, yeah, I visited dad and he didn't know who I was. And I think five years earlier, you would have been appalled that that could happen. But by the time it does happen, you're basically ready for it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. coming. Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting. How will chicken soup navigating elder care and dementia help to alleviate some of the issues for the family caregivers. Well, I think that I think that if you're, let's say you're in a family and you're, you know, p- people are doing uneven amounts of work, or at least you feel that way, mm-hmm. you can find a chapter about that in the book. I mean, we've we really deal with all of the major issues, and it's because um, I've been through this. I'm still going through it with my father. One of our other editors went through it with her mother. And then we have other editors who have been through it with other family members, maybe not a parent, but they've been, a, you know, maybe an sure. aunt or an uncle or grandparents. So we all took everything that we knew we wished we had known before, and we put it into this book. And so I think we've covered every issue that could possibly come up for a family <laughs> caregiver. I think they're going to find everything they need in here. And even mm-hmm. stuff you wouldn't expect, like permission to laugh. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I, when my father was still talking, um, which he isn't so much now, but mm-hmm. I would text my brother and my sister because I just needed some 
relief because there's such mm-hmm. a fine line between tragedy and comedy. So if he, right. if my father said something like, oh, your brother was just here, you know, I would text my brother and say, well, you just got credit for a visit, but, you know, I know I didn't <laughs> just see you in the lobby leaving. You know, and we would we would just text each other for comic relief because you right. have to give yourself permission to do that. So we really have everything in here that a family caregiver could need. I think this is a great survival uh, toolkit for anybody who's navigating the elder care and dementia journey. In my situation, I've been somewhat fortunate, I guess, not having to experience that. And maybe here I'm in the United States, my sister dealt with it maybe just for a little bit. But certainly, I've always prided myself about like you walk in someone's shoes to really understand and feel the magnitude of it. But in reading the stories, I'm like, in the stories, understanding what people go through. And I know it's a snippet, but I'm sure in real life, real situation, it's heavy. And then you got to find humor in everything you do. Yeah, so we have chapters that cover, I think, everything. So the first chapter of the book is called Accepting a New Reality. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. you went through that even though you were, you know, involved with your parents' <laughs> care from far away, but accepting a new reality is a really big deal, and that's your first step towards yeah. handling this journey without you know, just having your head blow up because everything is changing so much. And then our second chapter is about perseverance and how you really can get good results if you hang in there. It's worth the effort to do it, and you will affect positive change. And then third chapter is about that really hard stuff, the next steps and the tough choices, like taking the car away and moving mm-hmm. a parent out of a home where the parent really can't handle living alone in a home anymore and really should move to an independent living or an assisted living or maybe right. even a memory unit. And by the way, we're very, very favorably disposed towards Uh, independent living, assisted living, and memory units because people have such great experiences with them. And we want to make sure that people don't think that somehow you're doing something easier by moving them instead of keeping them in their homes or moving them into into your own home. Like for for many families, the right answer is to move into a professionally run assisted living or or memory unit, I mean, that's what we discovered with my father. It was so much better mm-hmm. for him mm-hmm. to be with other people his age and have a bit of a social life. You know, like, why would he want to hang out with us when we were just working all day? I mean, that wasn't going to be fun at all. Right. Um, our fourth chapter has a lot of strategies and tips for coping. You know, a lot of great ideas for things you can do for people, <laughs> and we'll talk about that more later. And then mm-hmm. the fifth chapter is about blessings like counting your blessings and being grateful for things and you know being grateful to have that special time with the aged parent or you know finding the blessings in some and something that initially seemed to be difficult but turned out to have a wonderful silver lining and then you and i both love the humor side of it so chapter six is is the lighter side with a lot of the funny (laughs) stories chapter seven is lessons learned and it's not just lessons about caregiving you can learn a lot of life lessons while you're going through this journey. And often someone with dementia will just say something that's so wise and you realize, mm-hmm. oh, wow, I can still learn from my parent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chapter eight is about self-care because it's so important. 
And Chapter 9 is about patience and how you just have to sit back and be patient and just keep loving that person, make that conscious decision to love that person, even if you have the exact same conversation 30 times in a row during 30 minutes. It doesn't really <laughs> matter, does it? You're going to spend 30 minutes talking to the person yeah. on the phone anyway. So have the same conversation 30 times in a row. It doesn't really matter. And then finally, the last chapter is about what we talked about before, where um, siblings or various family members are sharing the burden. And yeah. um, we have a lot of stories where you can get some great advice about how to have each family member do what they're good at so that you don't mm-hmm. have the resentment. And so everybody is contributing and feels appreciated and feels part of the process. So that's what we cover in the book. So it's very, very comprehensive. Wonderful. I thought the book was very well organized. And to me, it's a wonderful reference book and guidebook for that matter. And it gives you that it piece is a guidebook. Of, uh, yeah. And it also gives you that wonderful time out. <laughs> like about, uh, You're right. Because when you are in the middle of this caregiving, you need some me time. Yeah. And with 101 stories, you could just spend 10 minutes once a day and read a story and say, oh, that's a good idea, or, oh, it's so interesting. That person has the same feelings that I have. Now I don't <laughs> feel so alone or so guilty or whatever you're feeling. Because right. when you read 101 stories from people who are very unselfishly sharing their own emotions, it makes you realize, okay, we're all in this together. Other people feel the same way. I'm allowed to have mixed feelings about what's going on you know, whatever it is. I mean, I was very frank in the story Mm -hmm. that I wrote for the book. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wouldn't have written it if I thought there was any chance of hurting my father's feelings. But Mm -hmm. at this point, if somebody read the story to him, he wouldn't comprehend it. So (laughs) I felt like I should share what I've learned with other people uh, because I've been through this journey now for many years and especially intensely in the last five years because after my mother died that was when we really saw what my Mm -hmm. father's status was because of course when she was there taking care of him you know she took care of everything and she didn't have any mental issues and therefore we we didn't know how bad he was so i wrote a story for the book called determined distraught and demented (laughs) <laughs> which are <laughs> these are three things you do not want to be confronted with in your father. You do not want a father who's determined and distraught and demented. Like this is bad. This is a bad combination. But this is what we got in um early two thousand seventeen when my mother died. And yeah, we had, you know, a man who was mourning, um, who was strong and determined and still living alone and still driving his car and still going to the bank and taking out the $500 a day and losing the money, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so we had to deal with it, and boy, it was hard. I mean, the very first thing I did, because I did know mm-hmm. about that self-care and that self-care is not selfish, the very first thing I did when my mother died was I ran down to my basement and I disconnected my home phone line because... I knew my father was going to start calling me 150 times a day, including at 3 in the morning. Mm. And I kept my home phone line disconnected for months. 
until I could finally get my hands on his cell phone without him realizing it and take my home phone number out of his speed dial and out of his contacts. Mm-hmm. And only then was I safe. And I could put <laughs> I could put I could put the home phone line back into operation and then the other thing, I, what I did was I left the speed dial for my cell phone because with cell phones you can block somebody. Right. And, then, right, and right. I advised everyone in my family and all of my father's friends. I said, please block him, and then just call him back once. If he calls you fifty times, then just call him back once because my father would call, you know, fifty times in a row and leave the exact same voicemail fifty times mm-hmm. in a row, like to the letter. It was the exact same yeah. voicemail because he didn't remember that he had already called. And so I would just call him back once a day. Mm-hmm. And uh, that worked out fine. And if I wasn't visiting him that day in the assisted living that we managed to move him to, then I was calling him. So I talked in my story about those really difficult early months when he was still very much his own man. Now, of course, years have passed and the dementia has stripped him of the hard shell that made him more difficult to work with early on. And now there's just this very sweet man because the whole hard mm-hmm. shell fell off him. You know, and dementia can do that. It, it really can right, change the personality right. of somebody and change the family dynamics. So you shouldn't expect whatever you get at the beginning to be what you're going to get for all of the years because some people say their loved one becomes easier and sweeter and some people say their loved one becomes more difficult. In my case, you know, my father became just sweeter and sweeter and sweeter and just so nice, you know, as the dementia stripped away that hard shell that he used to carry on him. So I talked in detail about my coping techniques. Um, and I think if even if somebody just came away from that story knowing, yeah. oh, I can disconnect my home phone. I don't have to take calls at three in the morning. Like, yes, you have permission to do that. You have to do that or you will go crazy, right? Yeah. I imagine that's a tough deal to do, though, Amy, because when is the call important, you know? That's a toughie. You know, we had somebody with him at all times, so we immediately got full-time care for him in his home. And then when we moved him to the assisted living, he ended up having a full-time aide there also. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I also had given – I also didn't block the aide's phone numbers. So they could mm-hmm, call me, mm-hmm. and it would ring right, at 3 right, in the morning. Right, right. It was only right. my fathers who couldn't call me at 3 in the morning. Right. Having the right people in place. And this comes back to that full circle you're talking about. In all actuality, having someone in his situation better off in a professional place where they have all the ability to monitor him and so forth. And so that call, like you say, had you gotten it, it was – like that routine call rather than is it a serious call or is it not a serious call? Yeah, and and moving him to the assisted living was great because then he could go to dinner. Mm-hmm. He, he went to three meals a day with a bunch right. of women. They sat at a table together, and he had a, a social life that way. And he wouldn't have had that if he had stayed home. So this right. forced him right. to, to get out and meet other people, and we would go to the movie theater there and – you know, there were a lot, he could go to the concerts there, walk around, look at the garden. You know, there were a lot of fun things to do there. And he couldn't have had those things at home. He would have been by himself with one aid most of the time. And also, he would have been trying to navigate stairs and all kinds of unsafe things if he had stayed at home. 
folks. Right. And it, the mindset is totally different because the environment, regardless whether you have dementia or not, the environment does contribute to your mindset. So that's perfect. Well, yeah, that's a we just told them we moved him to an apartment building uh, for elderly people, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and right. um, and also we took him around to visit a couple of places and we let him choose the place that we had already signed up for. Mm-hmm. And then Fantastic. we let him choose the apartment that I had already picked out. Yeah, <laughs> And then he decided <laughs> my mother had picked out the apartment. So we went with that. Yeah, he said that yeah. my mother had picked it out, and I said, "You're right. She did. She loved the mm-hmm. view from this one." So, you just go with whatever is going to make the person happy and comfortable. Right. So true. That's wonderful. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast, uh, available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, and Google Play. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Navigating Elder Care and Dementia, 101 Stories for Family Caregivers. Amy, let's talk about some of the stories. Chapter 1, as you have mentioned, accepting a new reality. This is a tough deal. The first story, Mother Nature, Mother Nature by Lizzie Connie, is very, very interesting. Yeah, I I thought this was a great one to open the book with because accepting the new reality is, you know, the first step towards mm-hmm. navigating this process in a way that is healthy for the caregiver. And so Lizzie talked about how she watched her mother lose her memories the way you would watch an autumn tree lose its leaves. And I thought that that really does describe it. It's like beautiful, but you're also watching those leaves fall one at a time until they're all gone, and that seems to be what happens with the memory. And so Lizzie wrote in her story things like, I am losing my mother in pieces. You know, she is like an autumn tree, beautiful, colorful, and dying. And I just thought that Lizzie really summed up what we all see as we watch our parents or spouses lose their memories, and they mm-hmm. kind of know they're losing their memories along the way. It's very tragic when maybe even my father just a few weeks ago said to me, I have no memories. They're gone. You know, and I thought, oh, shoot, mm-hmm. that's a moment of clarity, and I feel really bad that he knows that. Right. But anyway, Lizzie talked about that, and I just thought that's how so many of us feel as we watch what our loved ones are going through if they have dementia. So I thought she really summed it up well, and it's a great way to start the book and make people feel like, okay, I'm not alone with these feelings and observations. There's another wonderful story, which is very touching in this chapter, Reflection Ralph by L.B. Marshall. Yeah, so this is really interesting. Uh, And I had heard about this before, but not too often, but I I think this is Mm -hmm. something that... You know, people in the Alzheimer's community know about. So in LB's case, her husband got early onset Alzheimer's or early onset dementia of some kind because you don't really know if it's Alzheimer's for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they can't really tell unless they do an autopsy after the fact. So most people just say Alzheimer's even if it is a different kind of dementia. But yeah. anyway, she was taking care of her husband at home and one day – after he showered, she found that he was talking to someone in the bathroom and he was having a conversation with his own reflection in the mirror. But he didn't recognize that it was his own reflection because in his mind he was 20 years younger 
than the man he saw in the mirror. So he thought that he met a guy who was 20 years older than him who became his new friend. And after that, whenever there was a reflective surface where you could see, um, you know, where you could see yourself, whether it was a car window or a mirror or just, you know, any kind of window at night, her husband would talk to his new friend, Ralph. And so it actually ended up being great because he could express himself to Ralph and it gave her some time off because he was conversing with his friend Ralph, although at, mm-hmm. at times it was sad. Like some, sometimes people with dementia have a breakthrough day where they really do know what's going on, and that happened one day when her husband was looking at their wedding photos and he started crying as he showed the photos to Ralph in the mirror because he knew that he had lost these memories and you know he was struck all of a sudden with the fact that this was awful that he was losing his memories at such a young age but anyway that's and i had seen this in another book we had done years ago mm-hmm. somebody who made a friend in the mirror and i thought well that's that's just wonderful that is um a very good thing and so if people then find their own parent talking to someone in the mirror they'll say great new friend i'm not getting in the way of this at all mhm and that's interesting, though, because we talk about this book being a guide, right? For someone who doesn't know, you look at that, you know, oh, that's crazy. Let's stop him and stuff like that. And you shouldn't. Because once you know exactly. about this, then it's good, actually. It's it really good. It is really good because it's somebody for the person to talk to. It's a friend. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to interfere with it. And that is one of the great things about reading this book is you learn what not to do. You learn don't correct the reality that this person has, the new reality. That is their world right. now. Do not bring them back into your world and try to educate them. You're on this downward path. You cannot pluck them off the downward path and somehow raise mm-hmm. them in the air and move them back up the path again. They're not going back up to right. the top of the path. Right, they're right. not going up the slope. They're going down the slope. So just go with it and accept the good things along the way, like a friend in the mirror. Mm-hmm. So true. Chapter two: Perseverance, the Promise by Deborah Stalling is another wonderful story. Yeah, I love this story, and this is about an elderly parent who did not have dementia. And we have a lot of stories in the book about elder care without dementia. And that's very important because I think that sometimes people who have elder care to do, but without dementia, they're left out. Nobody realizes, well, we have our problems too. You know, if you're engaged (laughs) in elder care with somebody without dementia, you still have a lot of hurdles, right? A lot of challenges. Right, right, right. So Deborah, in her case, she had moved back home to help her parents when her dad was dying of cancer and her mom was trying to do everything herself Her mom was just a wonderful caregiver for her father. And then when Deborah's father died, her mother went to the funeral and then went into her room and shut the door and stayed there for two months. She would not come out. And they just brought food to the door, and she took the food in, but she didn't leave the bedroom. And then one day, Deborah went to visit her 92-year-old aunt and discovered that her aunt's caregiver had gotten sick and left her aunt alone. And so Deborah cooked her a meal and, you know, helped helped her with her house and and then she realized when she drove home that her aunt needed a caregiver and her mom needed somebody to care for. Mm-hmm. And so Deborah went home and talked to her mom through the bedroom door 
and told her about the aunt who was alone and needed help. The very next morning, Deborah's mom emerged from the bedroom and asked to be driven to Ruby's house and became her Aunt Ruby's caregiver, and that turned everything around. Her mom just needed a new purpose. So right. that's a reminder for people, like, you don't just discount the value, you know, of an older person. I mean, here Deborah's mom was without purpose, and then by giving her purpose, she was able to snap out of the worst part of her grieving and get mm-hmm. back to being the real person that she was and get back to a productive life. And so, I mean, it's it's interesting. People sometimes just give up too soon, and Deborah did not. And there's another story in that same chapter mm-hmm. by Christina Peters. And in her case, amazingly, her uncle had been diagnosed with dementia, and he was, you know, living in a facility. Well, it turned out he didn't have dementia. He just didn't have anything to do. And so he became, you know, unresponsive. He was just like slouched in a recliner chair. He was feeble and wobbly when he walked. And and so they were told that he was at the beginning of a dementia journey. Well, they got him an iPad and showed him how to use it. And Christina's father started visiting his brother um, and showing him each time he visited new things he could do with the iPad <laughs> And that turned everything around, and Christina's uncle came back to life and, of course, didn't have dementia at all. And now he's been using the iPad for the past five years. He uses FaceTime. He uses New Man, mm-hmm. I mean, YouTube. And Christina says her <laughs> uncle is a new man, or rather he's the man that he used to be mm-hmm. before he was incorrectly diagnosed as having <laughs> dementia and basically it all being over for him. See? This is what we talk about. You just got to sit down with someone and have a wonderful conversation and check things out. <laughs> exactly, because it's too. I I think that people, it, they're too fast to just discount somebody's value, and right. so I think it's very important that we not do that. But of course, in most cases, to be honest, the person is on the decline oh, and sure. really does have right. dementia, but. You certainly don't want to mischaracterize somebody. In the case of Christina's uncle, he was just bored. Right. So true. Chapter three, next step and tough choices. This is really interesting. A Small Miracle with a Big Meaning by Mark Elvedice. So Mark was in the position that a lot of people are in where you're only in middle age and your spouse gets early onset dementia. And so in his case, it was his wife, Mary, and she was diagnosed at age 59. And unfortunately, this is very common. Like when I visit my father, who's 92, Mm -hmm. he's one of the oldest people in the facility. And there are men there and women who are in their 60s and 70s. Wow. And it's just so sad. They look like they should be visiting, you know, elderly parents, but they're actually the residents. So Mark was talking about his wife, Mary, who was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's at age 59. Mm-hmm. And he put her into you know, a really nice facility, but he always felt bad about it. And she really didn't speak a lot. And then a couple of years after he moved her there, she called the place her home. And then she said, I stay here. And she hardly ever said anything. So that was reassuring. And then he said to her, this is a nice place, isn't it? 
And she broke into a big smile and said, yes, I like it. I love it. Thank you so much. And he felt so much better. And it was a good lesson for people that um, you may eventually hear how much your loved one enjoys wherever you have moved them to. So, you know, just hang in there and don't feel bad about it along the way because you really did do the right thing. Again, when it's so close, it's a difficult decision to make. Yeah, we have another story from a woman named Barbara Davey. Mm-hmm. She actually ended up becoming uh, an employee of an assisted living, and she's written a lot of stories for us about other people in assisted livings, not her own relatives. But mm-hmm. she wrote a story about her mother-in-law for this book and how she and her husband decided to move their mother-in-law into an assisted living. And she felt really bad about it and thought, oh, my gosh, you know, I took the easy way out, blah, blah, blah. Well, They kept their mother-in-law at home for a while, and it was just destroying their lives. And so then when they moved her, it turned out their mother-in-law loved it, absolutely (laughs) loved it. She started out living there for two weeks as a trial. She ended up staying in the assisted living for 14 years, and she confided to Barbara that she had never been happier. Wow. And that's a classic example to, again, bringing people together that, I guess, for lack of a better term, does share some commonality in some ways, I would think. So people everyone like living with somebody in the present age, moment. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everybody likes to be with people their own age. I mean, it's more fun to be with people your own age and have common interests, like the same music, like the same movies, play the same games, chat mm-hmm. about the same things at dinner. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know when my father was at the assisted living, it was great. I mean, he would have... He would sit at the dinner table. They had really good food, and he could order whatever he wanted and chat away with people. Um, Mm -hmm. It was fun. It was fun while he still, you know, was more functional. Right, right. That's wonderful. Chapter four, strategies and tips for coping. And I love this one. Grandma's External Hot Drive by Morgan St. James. (laughs) You know, it's so funny because... We often talk to my father about memory, and he mm-hmm. would say, well, I'm glad you guys remember it, so at least someone in the family has the memories that I'm losing. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, well, you know, you're old, and you can't carry them all in your head, so we are like your external hard drives. We'll hold some of the memories <laughs> for you. And so Morgan St. James had that same kind of attitude. So in her case, she made this wonderful booklet for her mother with um, – pictures of family members and their names and what their relationship was. You know, it might Mm -hmm. be a picture of Mm -hmm. a grandson and say that's grandson's name and this is your grandson. And so um, her mom carried the booklet everywhere with her and then all the other residents wanted booklets too. And so then the assisted living put Morgan in touch with the other families so that they could um, understand how they could make ones of their own, and it is a right. great idea. It really helps people when they get older and they're confused because what happens is it's like their memories kind of pancake into one flat plane, and so something that happened 40 years ago might be remembered the same as something that happened 15 years ago. It mm-hmm. all just gets compressed, and it gets very confusing then understanding what generation family members are in. Yeah, that's true, very, very true. Do you have a story here in Chapter 4 that you like as well? Yeah, because this is all right, this is a point I keep making, which is that you have mm. to accept your loved one's new reality. And so there's a story by Brenda Leppington about that, where they ended up moving 
um, her mom into a facility, and they got her one of these uh, realistic battery-operated cats. And in the beginning, she knew the cat <laughs> wasn't real, but then over time, she forgot. And she would even ask Brenda to bring food for the cat. And that's when Brenda realized, I'm not going to correct her. If she wants to believe she has a real cat, <laughs> then fine. And also her mom would read letters from her elderly siblings who had already passed on, and she would read mm-hmm. them to Brenda as if she had just received them. And Brenda realized, okay, I'm not going to correct her anymore. And then at one point her mom said to her, and it was during you know a moment of lucidity, yeah. Her mom said, if I think hard enough about it, I know that they are all gone, but that is why I like to pretend that my life is the same. I love my life, and I just want to relive a life where I wouldn't have changed a thing. Who am I hurting? And Brenda said that conversation changed everything because that's when she realized, of course, do not correct her. Let her believe this cat is alive. Let her believe that her siblings are alive and writing her letters as she's reading letters from 30 years ago. It's not mm-hmm. harming anyone, and let her right. just reside in in a world that's a better place for her, where her loved ones are alive and she has a cat and she doesn't have dementia. So it's such a good message for everybody. Stop correcting the person and just join them in their reality. Right. And that reality is good. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not about you. It's about them. It brings happiness to them. Exactly. My my husband would say to me when I would have these lengthy conversations with my father, my <laughs> husband would say, you're so patient. I'd say, what what difference does it make? Mm-hmm. I've allocated 30 minutes to have a nice long chat with my father. What difference does it make what we talk about? Yeah. Or if he's saying things to me that are just nonsense or saying the same mm-hmm. things over and over again, it doesn't matter. You're just there to be supportive and to mm-hmm. show your love for the person right. because it it does help. It, even mm-hmm. if they don't really remember the conversation, they, they know that something good happened and they have that afterglow of having right. had a nice conversation with somebody. Right. So true. Chapter 5, Blessings and Gratitude, The Social Butterfly by Linda O'Connell. This is a real good one, too. Well, yeah, this was a great example of, of you know, a blessing that was completely unexpected because – Linda O'Connell's mother actually had selected an independent living complex that she wanted to move to, um, and there was a long wait list for it. So it took two years before she was offered the place that she had signed up for. And after she moved in, she continued protesting, saying, I don't want to live here. I'm not a joiner. I'm not participating in these activities. And she kept calling family members and getting her them to drive her places. She was very clever. She actually... She would actually not tell the family members what each other was doing. Like one day she got two different <laughs> rides to McDonald's from two different family members who didn't know the other one had already taken her to McDonald's. But then it turned out that her mom completely transformed and became a social butterfly and joined all sorts of clubs and made a new best friend. And so it was like she was a late bloomer, and she had this whole new phase of her life where she was just having a fabulous time it was like she was on a cruise ship or something. She was having a wonderful time with the assisted living. <laughs> well, living there, sort of like a coming out party for her and to enjoy life as is. <laughs> well, my husband and I, when we would visit my father in the assisted living, would say, this really is like a cruise ship. It just doesn't move. But there's so much to do, and they make all your meals for you. It's very right, beautiful. Right. And we right. thought it was great. I, we were saying we'd live in a place like this when we were you know, in our 80s. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Interesting. Very, very interesting. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, and Google Play. My guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Navigating Elder Care and Dementia, 101 Stories for Family Caregivers. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Amy, Chapter 6, I'll let you choose this one. I know you and I both like the lighter sides of life, and you go ahead and choose the one that you like. Oh, you know what? I'm going to t- talk about <laughs> Donna Anderson's story because I actually met her on a on a Zoom call yesterday, and she was uh-huh. talking about this. So what happened was her grandmother went missing. So her grandfather was working <laughs> in the basement workshop, and her grandmother disappeared, and they searched and searched and searched for her for hours. And then they eventually discovered that the grandmother had gone to visit one of the neighbors who also had dementia, and the two ladies were watching through the window all these search parties and wondering what was going on and thoroughly enjoying all of the people who were swarming around their neighborhood and not understanding that they were actually calling out the grandmother's name and looking for her. (laughs) It is really funny. (laughs) Chapter 7, Lessons Learned, Moving Mom by Patricia Bunny. All right, so this is another great piece of advice. In this case, Patricia was moving her mom um, to a retirement home, and she was packing up her stuff, and her mom wanted to tell her stories about each item that she was packing, and Patricia was just rushing through it all and not paying attention. And then she realized, wait a minute, that was completely the wrong thing to do. This is my opportunity to get to know my mother well and to hear about all of these memories that I never had time to hear before. And so she started over and basically let her mother tell her stories about every single thing that she was packing. And she said it was a really great experience. And I thought, what a great piece of advice for people. Just take that extra time to listen to those stories. They're like those things you're packing are like prompts to mm-hmm. to learn mm-hmm. more about your family history. Mm-hmm. So true. Very, very true. Do you have a story in this chapter that you like as well? Yeah, and I mean, it's a story about packing again because packing somebody <laughs> up is such an emotional thing. It's one of those really difficult next steps that everyone has to take. Yeah. So and this next story is by Amy Muborn, and what she talks about is when she was helping to pack up her grandfather, she inadvertently got rid of things that her grandfather wanted to keep even though they were old and had holes in them and this and that because her grandmother had selected them. So she got rid of, you know, curtains that her grandmother had selected and they were old and ragged and torn. And then it was the wrong thing to have done because her grandfather said, but your grandmother picked those out and I loved them. And it was like she was throwing away pieces of his marriage by throwing away some of these things that her grandmother had picked out. And it was a really good lesson for all of us that, it's the memories that matter, not, you know, whether the curtains are torn and awful looking. You, you know, the grandfather would have much preferred to have that. Right, right. So true. Chapter 8, Self-Care. And this is a very interesting story. Growing Through Dementia by Denise Shope. So this is an example of somebody who finally realized that she needed to engage in self-care and actually started doing things for herself that she hadn't done before. It wasn't like she had given up these things Mm -hmm, to -hmm. care for an elderly person. It was just she had never done these things. And so she started taking, 
you know, a daily walk. And then she started doing meditation. And these were actually things that would have been great for her to do her whole life. But finally, through the strain of engaging in elder care, she was forced to look at herself and engage in that self-care. And so I just thought that was a really good lesson for all of us. It's very important to do it. And we have all these examples of how people engaged in self-care to help themselves. Right, right. So true. Chapter 9 is very interesting. All you need is love and patience. And the story that I really love is Miracles Happen by Crystal Hodge. Yeah, now this is something that is very important because what happens is that we get stories all the time about people who have dementia and really seem to be far gone, and then all of a sudden they wake up one day and they start asking questions, and you realize they've been paying attention to everything for the past year, and they'll ask questions (laughs) about things that you told them. And then you realize, wow, it really is worth continuing the conversation, keeping the loved one abreast of what's going on in the family. And that's what happened to Crystal Hodge. Her father had a really good day one day. He just woke up in the middle of their visit and looked at her and said, well, hi, Chris. I didn't know you were here. How are you? And and Crystal rushed to call her sisters and her daughters, and everybody came over. And they spent hours having a great visit with him. Uh, and taking advantage of this one good day in the middle of the mm-hmm. fog of dementia. Wow. It's very interesting, though, because it's like one of those magical moments where you want to be there, and you don't want to waste, like you say, don't want to waste any minutes. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't last long, but this does mm-hmm. happen. And so it's why I always still try to talk to my father about things because I don't know if he's going to have one of those good days and all of a sudden I'll realize that all along he was listening. (laughs) What's your favorite story in Chapter 10? Oh, I really like this story um, that it really explains how siblings can share the burden and not feel Mm -hmm. resentful of each other. It's by Marsha Porter. So in her case, um, she had... um, her mom who needed care and there were four daughters and Marcia was one of them and each daughter had a unique skill set so one of the daughters was an excellent cook so she took on the task of making meals and delivering them to her mom and then another daughter um, was very social and loved to chat and had the time to sit and visit with the mom for hours (laughs) so she did that as her task another sister was a financial genius and so She did all the paperwork and managed the family business and kept Mm -hmm. all of her mom's banking matters, you know, up to date. And then Marsha's job, because Marsha had some healthcare experience, Marsha's job was to do the healthcare side of things, including something that no one else wanted to do, which was daily bandage changes on her mother's Mm -hmm. legs, which had like open wounds. Yeah. And so each sister did what she was good at, and that was a great way to handle things and not have resentment among siblings because everybody did what their strength was and they, everybody did a job that right. no one else wanted to do. Right, right. That's awesome, though. And I think when you have situations like that, that's what makes it fun because you're looking through the lens of love. Well, and I just think that during the whole elder care journey, it's really easy to feel resentful and to feel mm-hmm, like you're mm-hmm. doing more than someone else. And so really good to get this stuff figured out ahead of time and sit down and have a family meeting and talk about who's going to do what. (laughs) That's true. So true. What advice do you have for someone who is just about to walk into this part of their family's journey? 
I would say you have to give up any preconceived notions about who your family member is because they're going to change. And you just have to be patient. And you can't be a perfectionist anymore. And you just have to step mm-hmm. back and say, like, I'm going to just be patient. I'm going to give a certain amount of time to this, but I'm going to make sure I always engage in self-care as well because it's not yeah. selfish. It's what makes you a better caregiver. And I would read our book because it's like having a portable support group where 101 people are giving you their best possible advice. And isn't that what we all want? Like when you're embarking on a new journey, whether it's a happy occasion like your daughter is getting married or mm-hmm. you know a tough mm-hmm. challenge like having a parent with dementia, you turn to other people who've had that same kind of experience and you want to learn from them. And that's really what we've done in Chicken Soup for the Soul navigating elder care and dementia it's like we put 101 friends together to give you their best advice Mm -hmm. so true i can vouch for that this book is actually i'm glad you mentioned that because i think for me someone that has not had the i don't know whether you want to call it opportunity or so but to go walk through that part of my life it's a very educational book we talk about that in one of the stories to whereby you see certain things happen and now you understand, it gives you all the information that you need, in a nutshell. It really does. It, I think that, I think if you read these stories, you will be so far along on the knowledge curve, mm-hmm. and it will make mm-hmm. your life so much better and make your family's life so much better. Right, right, right. So true, so true. Please give us a preview of what's coming up in the next few months for Chicken Soup. Well, this summer, in August, we're doing something really interesting. It's going to be the... 21st anniversary of Chicken Soup for the Preteen Soul, which is, you know, one of our most popular books ever, and the 25th anniversary of Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul. And these books sold many millions of copies when they first came out. And if you talk to 20-somethings and 30-somethings today, they'll tell you, oh, I grew up reading Chicken Soup for the Preteen Soul and Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul. Mm-hmm. But we decided with these books having come out in, you know, 1997 and 2000. It was time to update them. And so we went through both books. We took out all the stories that we thought were dated and not really relevant to today's preteens and teens. And then Mm -hmm. we put in a bunch of new stories. A quarter of the stories in the preteen soul book are new and a third of the stories in the teenage soul book are new. And so these stories talk about the issues that teens and preteens face today. So we're relaunching our two classics, Chicken Soup for the Preteen Soul and Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul. So that's happening in August, <laughs> right in time for, you know, back to school. Mm-hmm. And then um, in September, another fun pair of books are coming out. One is called My Hilarious Heroic Human Dog, and the other is called My Clever, Curious, Caring Cat. So those are coming out in September. So that's what we have going on for the next few months, for the rest of the summer, we're dealing with uh, elderly people now, and then we're dealing with kids, and then we're dealing with, with dogs and cats. So we're kind of circulating around in the family. There you go. Wonderful, wonderful. Since this show is about family, right? So what wonderful recipes for living would you like to share with our listeners this morning? Well, I made a list of tips that went with mm-hmm. the Navigating Elder Care book, but really they could apply to anybody in your family and you know like this accepting your loved one's new reality you could apply this to you know a teenager too like they have a new reality they're growing up but just 
be willing to step into someone else's world. Don't resist it so much because if you join them in their world, you can really have some good conversations with them and develop understanding. And then I would say another lesson and another, you know, ingredient for life is to be willing to make the hard choices because that's what you have to do when you're dealing with elder care and dementia. You have to make the hard choices that you know are right for someone. And that's Mm -hmm. really something you could do at any stage in a family with, with family members of any age. And then another lesson I picked up from this book is you should always let yourself find the humor in a situation. And you could apply that to anything going on in your life. <laughs> right? And yeah. now here's another yeah. one. Keep So I, I wrote this tip, keep talking because your loved one is still in there. And I wrote that for, you know, talking to somebody who has dementia. Yeah. But I think that would apply equally well to talking to your preteen or teenager. Keep oh, talking no because your loved one it. is still in there, right? They're still there. <laughs> and the funny thing is they're still listening, and later on you'll you'll find them, you know, quoting back something you said to them, but they'll never admit that you said it. So That's those true. are some of That's my true. ingredients for life. <laughs> I'll be the first one to attest to that. It's like somehow it's registered in my hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> And so it's there for me to download. So that's fantastic. Amy, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me in two weeks, Tuesday morning, July 6th. My guest will be Marissa Lennart. She is the founder of Parent-Led Academy. Marissa and her team help empower students with social-emotional life skills through group huddles and parent huddle programs here in the United States and in the Philippines. Marissa and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and what you need to know in getting your family team ready for the summer school year. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. As always, Amy, it's been a true pleasure and happy summer to you and your family. Thanks so much, Johnny. It was a privilege to talk to you. Thank you. Bye-bye.